0: Welcome back to another episode of the Young Guides Podcast. I'm Keaton, and this is... I'm Kyle. But first, a word from our partners. First up, we want to talk about
1: Heather's Choice. If you go to the Heather's Choice website and use our code, The Young Guides 15 at checkout, you can get yourself 15% off site-wide. So go check them out. We got packaroons for snacks. We got dinners. We got breakfasts. We got a bunch of new recipes coming out to you guys. So head on over to heatherschoice.com at checkout, use our code, the young guides 15 and get you guys something for your next outdoor adventure. Awesome.
0: For our next partner, we have lucky bug lures home of the bingo Bug, zombie max fusion, extreme lucky plug F bomb and pike bomb. They take conventional lures and change them up a little bit and it helps your fishing And your luck on the water. Go check them out. www.luckybuglures.com Go get yours today.
1: All right. Up next, we have Northern Knits. Emily up here in Anchorage knits wool hats and uh, distributes them through her social media platforms. You can find her on Facebook or on Instagram. Her Instagram account is northern underscore dot knits and uh, you can see some of the hats that she has in stock and order from there or you can kind of get an idea of what you want message her and you can set something up uh, to have a specific uh, pattern or color scheme that you want in your hat keaton and i both have one well uh, i actually have several keep you very warm they're very fashionable they look great they feel great You'll look awesome if you wear one So Check her out, Northern Knits.
0: Next up, we have a friend, Matt, at Alaska Rodco. He just released a new lineup of rods for the 2022 season. They have a lineup of eight freshwater spinning rods with actions and power for anglers chasing big, aggressive fish. With lengths ranging from six foot to nine foot, there are plenty of options for various applications and style. In a world full of mass-produced rods, Alaska Rod Co. makes sure that rods and services provide what other brands cannot. Rods built and tested in Alaska.
1: Matt also is coming out with a new line of fly rods. Alaska Rodco fly rods are built for harsh environments while maintaining the utmost level of craftsmanship. Right now, Alaska Rodco is nine foot fly rods ranging from five weights to eight weights, 10 foot single hand rods, switch and spare rods will be available late winter or spring. There's enough rod comings out there trying to build the next lightest and flashy rod. Alaska Rodco is here to build you a rod. You can pass down generations. Fishing means many things to many different people. Alaska Rod Co. is honored to build you the ultimate tool that connects you to that meaning.
0: If you want to learn a little bit more about Alaska Rod Company, go back and check our previous podcast. We asked him several questions about his rods, his warranties. Um, it does, he does a great job at explaining everything and covering everything about his company also if you have questions you can always dm him or dm us and we can get you going in the right direction so alaska Rodko.
1: finally we want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the young guides podcast if you can head on over to Apple podcast, leave us a review and a rating. It helps us know that we're uh, doing this for the right reasons. And you guys are giving us some great feedback already. You can also head over to Spotify. They now have a rating feature on the podcast there. So if you could let us know how we're doing, that would be great. It also helps you, or excuse me, helps us spread the word through you, um, but makes us pop up on the feeds. Um, wherever you listen to podcasts a lot more, if you give us a great rating and a great review, you can also head to our website and contact us through that form. If there's anything that you think we should know about, if you want to be on our show or if there is something that uh, we need to work on, you can also find us on Instagram and same thing. Give us some feedback, drop us a message and we will get back to you.
0: With Instagram, make sure to also check our story. We, uh, Before we do our podcast on Thursdays, we always have an option for you guys to ask questions to the people coming on our podcast. Um, and we, get, we post a lot of stuff that we like to get uh, viewers and people following us involved. So if you want to h- head on over, give us a follow and uh, start asking questions and join in on the fun on our Instagram page. Without further ado, here's the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Young Guys Podcast. I'm Keaton, and this is... I'm Kyle. And today, we have a special guest uh, coming in live from uh, Montana, Bozeman. Um, Young Guide himself, uh, a buddy of ours, uh, Josh Eaton. Um, works for Eaton Outfitters, and then just started a new venture with On Water. So we're going to learn a little bit about that today. Um, so you know, we're really excited to have you on, and we can't wait to learn a little bit about On Water and kind of fishing the Madison. So without further ado, welcome onto the podcast, Josh.
2: Hey, I appreciate the invite, guys. I'm
1: looking forward to our conversation for awesome. sure. Well things off, Josh. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and your background in fly fishing and guiding?
2: Yeah. So I was born in uh, uh, Bozeman, Montana, but lived in Ennis um, in the summers in Bozeman. Uh, growing up, my whole life uh, went to, went to high school in Bozeman and graduated from MSU in 2021, or uh, last year actually, um, in Bozeman as well. I grew up on the Madison River. My parents have been running an outfit. On the Madison since 95 and have been working with the just without or within the community of Ennis my mom was a teacher there owned one of the the major campgrounds at the time in Ennis um so I I, you know I grew up floating that river and I'm actually now in my seventh year of guiding uh, myself and also just recently got my Outfitters license on the Madison too. Nice. Heck yeah.
0: So when did you start uh like what age did you start fly fishing at? Uh unofficially, I
2: think the my mom recently told me it was two. Uh I don't know if you'd really count that as fly fishing, but I've been I've been in the boat, yeah, as, as long as I can remember. Um yeah. to be honest, uh growing up just surrounded by guides, I feel like um I had kind of a unique introduction to fishing. I always gotta go with my dad or my mom or some of the other guides. And I always got this kind of client experience of being guided. So it really wasn't until later in high school, early college, that I started really figuring out, going out there on my own a little more, not just being, uh, you know, having everyone else tie stuff on. Um, and, you know, it was uh, a quick transition. And, you know, you learn a lot once you go out there by yourself the first time, not being guided uh, by, you know, experts on the river and, have to try and catch a couple of fish. It's a little tougher. Um, but from there, uh, I actually met you guys, you know, going to central Washington and that's kind of where I really start kicking off my fishing, going out every day and, and really started learning a lot more about, about,
1: um, you know, the sport itself. For sure. So was it kind of natural for you then to eventually work in the family business and kind of become a guide yourself?
2: hundred percent. You know, I, uh, I always was interacting with the clientele my parents had uh, who a lot of them, you know, at this point uh, I'd, I'd call friends. Um, and so I kind of just grew up with that client type of interaction and always meeting people, um, being around people, uh, who were fishing with with my parents and the other guides. And so, it, you know, it was a pretty natural progression in, into, into guiding. Um, you know, my, my grandpa, Uh, he was out here on the, I think he retired from guiding about nine years ago. Um, he's 85 now and it's impressive. He's out there rowing the river every other day. Um, I don't know how many 85 year olds can, can hang their hat on that. Super impressive. But I, when I first, you know, it was my first season where I only had a couple trips and I was really out there trying to learn how to guide and and row. Um, I got to go with him all the time. Another one of our guides who, um, had, a, had an unfortunate kind of medical uh, incident where he wasn't really able to, to, to guide anymore. Um, I took him out fishing all the time and I, I couldn't thank him enough for how much he taught me about the river, um, interacting with clients and just guiding people. Uh, learned a lot from Charlie Graham and a great guy. Um, and so, again, as I said, just a natural progression, you know, kind of I was, felt like I was born into it
0: a little bit. Did you when you first started guiding? Did you start out in a boat, or did you start doing like uh, walking wade trips?
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, I actually did not start out walking wade trips. I right away started out in the boat. Um, actually, for my first couple trips, took the raft. Uh, as you know, we all know raft can be a little <laughs> more forgiving, uh, bumping into a rock or two. The Madison is quite shallow, and quite rocky. If you haven't fished it before. Um, I know both of you guys have, I'm sure you can attest to that. It's a little different than some of the other rivers you might picture in your head. But uh, once, you know, I got comfortable rowing the Madison and, uh, you know, speed dodging rocks, then I naturally, um, you know, my my mom's been with high drift boats uh, since the nineties. And so got my first drift boat and have been rowing that ever since. Mm -hmm. since i don't really have to row super intense you know rapids or water that's more attuned and easier to row in a raft um you know the drift boat i think is a more comfortable kind of client experience for
0: sure yeah absolutely so when you first started uh fly fishing has a madison kind of is that always what you've called home or i mean you grew up in you said bozeman so there's a lot of options of water around you did you also take advantage of fishing those, uh, waterways as well? It's a great,
2: great question. And I think that kind of comes down to what I initially said, I was always, when I had fish, I'd get to go with my, my parents, um, or their friends who are also guides. And I definitely spent a lot of time in the Madison and it took me a little while, um, until late high school and college to really get out and start exploring some of these other waters. Um, so, Initially, mainly I just fished the Madison, um, but now I, I, I fish all over. Um, I'm pretty comfortable on, I'd say, a majority of the rivers in southwest Montana, um, even ventured up. Uh, recently, I've been fishing the Missouri a little more um, with some of my coworkers and just kind of exploring a lot of new water. Um, a big part of that, I recently, this winter, moved down to Denver try something new just for a little bit um, in the off season or in between the guide seasons. Uh, you know, growing up in, in, a, in one town, going to high school and college there, um, you don't always get an opportunity to just pick up and try something new. Um, but I moved down there and I've been fishing, you know, some of the rivers of Colorado and it's uh, that's a whole, you know, a whole nother ball game. Um, that's where, you know, it's kind of more exploratory fishing I've been doing in college and trying out these new rivers definitely came in handy because, If I would have only fished the Madison and then went down to Colorado, I I would have been lost. They don't, most of those rivers in Colorado, they're not going to eat a size six black or black. I can tell you that. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. Um, Do you ever get requests to fish other rivers besides the Madison? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially these last two years.
2: Uh, now that I, I, you know, I'm in my seventh year and I've been guiding, you know, over five, over 600 days. Um, Actually, I'm getting close to a 1,000, which is kind of crazy to, crazy to think about. But the, uh, I do a lot more of the other, especially early season. So this next week, you know, I'll be heading over the Big Hole a lot, the Beaverhead, um, you know, a little more car time. But I, uh, I'd say the, the rivers, besides the Madison that fish the most or guide the most, are the Big Hole and Beaverhead and then the Yellowstone as well.
0: Nice.
1: Gotcha. Now, you mentioned when you moved down to Denver, you kind of did that between uh, guide seasons. How long is your guide season lasting and how long is your off season? Mm -hmm. So the guide, the bulk of the guide season
2: is probably between late June and early September here. Um, I really enjoy kind of guiding in the fall. The water's low. Uh, It can be really cold, um, but it's just gorgeous out. Uh, You know, this, it's obviously gorgeous all year round. Like right now the snow capped mountains mixed with the, The green uh, valleys is, I mean, it's hard to beat, but something about October really speaks to me. Generally, I guide um, now that I moved down to Denver, just that main four months of late June to early September, maybe into October. Um, But previous years when I went to school at Montana State and was in town all year, I'd guide between April and October. Um, So it, it can be a pretty long season. Uh, the Madison, depending on how intense of winter we get, actually gorges. So it com- in the lower section will completely freeze over. Um, and the higher sections where the water still open, the boat ramps will all completely drift in with snow. Um, some of my buddies and I will still float, but not really whether uh, that most clients would want to go out and float and learn how to fly fish in. Yeah, sure.
0: And when you talk about like the lower, are you talking about like, because uh, there's a lake that separates the Madison at one point right you're right and and that's a good point I uh
2: just mentally in my head I refer so the Madison runs roughly um 60 miles from the Hebgen Dam down to Ennis Dam and the uh that is the upper Madison now below Ennis Lake it flows hmm, it's where the on-water app comes in handy because it can calculate distances, right? But the uh, uh, it flows down and meets with the Jefferson and the Gallatin and Forms of Missouri. Um, and that section down below a Dam is called the Lower Madison. It's a much different river. Um, the upper section runs through Bear Trap Canyon, which has some pretty intense white water, um, great fishing. But down lower, it kind of slows down. Um, and in the heat of the summer months, you know, July and August, it's actually the water temperatures are too warm to fish um, and it becomes a pretty popular spot for tubing. And because of that, I kind of almost subconsciously just from living out here, refer to those two river sections as different rivers just because they are so unique and different. Um, But when I say the lower Madison that totally freezes over, I'm talking about the lower sections of that upper stretch between Hebgen Lake and Ennis Lake. Um, So usually that gorge where it completely freezes over reaches up, yeah, a little above eight mile Ford, um, which is roughly 10 miles from Ennis or so, uh, all the way down to the lake. It's quite the sight to see. Um, if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend pulling up a photo because it is, um, I mean, it, it's kind of pretty in its own way.
1: Gotcha.
0: So I'm looking on on water right now, and you said it's below, the, the lower part is below Ennis Lake, right? Yeah,
2: so the, what is referred to as the lower Madison River is from Ennis Lake down to where it meets with the Gall- Gallatin and Jefferson. Okay, cool. So
1: what, yeah. so what, what kind of separates, I think, the Madison from other fisheries, not only in the area, but in Montana? I mean, Montana is kind of like, that's the mecca of fly fishing, and the Madison is one of those super famous rivers what kind of sets that apart for you um Mm -hmm. so yeah
2: the madison is a really unique fishery um and i'd start by saying what really separates it separates it is it's tail water um technically speaking coming out of a dam but it fishes like a freestone and acts like a freestone which is a pretty unique feature um most of the time you associate tailwaters with relatively maybe slower water, deeper runs, and kind of a certain food you know, you're fishing certain flies, those fish are kind of keyed in on certain food sources such as, uh, um, you know, scuds, uh, worms, midge, there might be some smaller mayfly hatches, occasionally caddis hatch, not as often associated with larger stoneflies. Um, the Madison though, even though it is tailwater, has all the prolific stonefly hatch, um, a very wide river and quite shallow uh, and fast moving. So it's pretty unique. Uh, I know both of you have have fished it with me before, um, you know, in the past four years or so. And I'm sure you'd agree it's, if you had never fished it before and were used to floating rivers, like maybe um, the Yakima or the Missouri, and you went there for the first time and never seen any photos of it, you might be a little, you know, kind of thrown for a loop a little bit, Um, just because it is such a unique fishery just uh, it's depth and speed. Uh, I think it's kind of uncommon. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think the one thing. Never. Oh, he might be, is he talking? Oh, you there? Sorry, we lost you a little bit. Can you hear me? Yes, oh, sir. Okay. Keep going. All right. You're good. Keith. Keep going. Okay. I was going to say uh, one thing about like the Madison river that, um, throw, threw me off is like, when we came and fished it late summer, like you were talking about how low it is. And then, um, it's almost like, it's so surprising to see where you're pulling fish out from, because you're like, when you're like, when we're going past like certain things, I'm like, wow, that like back home, this doesn't look like it's going to hold a fish there, but you're like, no fish that that's going to have a fish behind it. And that actually like has fishing the Madison, I feel like has given me a, such a, uh, different perspective on some of the local fisheries by me, um, you know, and trying different things and finding, cause I, I, a lot of that pocket water, I would have never, you know, given, thrown a fly to. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so
2: it, it is, you know, as we have said, a super unique fishery, uh, referred to as the 60 mile riffle. So I think a lot of your classic trout streams, you think of it as riffle, um maybe a corner into like a deep pool slow pool and for the most part the madison is not like that at all um but to your point that kind of makes me think you ever read the book the curtis creek manifesto
0: Mm -mm, i've heard of it though but i haven't read it yeah uh fly fishing book uh written by I
2: can't remember off the top of my head um sheridan anderson uh and what's so interesting about it is in that, that book, it talks all about how, you know, we just walk right into the water all the time, we're fishing. A lot of times a fish could just be sitting right there. Um, and it, it really focuses on fishing water that maybe you would always consider fishing about. And I think, or consider fishing. And I think the, the Madison uh, has, you know, gives people a similar outlook, you know, because you're pulling fish out of spots that, you know, you maybe normally wouldn't expect if you would fish kind of on that classic blue ribbon trout stream. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, like, I think a lot of like, uh, a lot of weather changes, like high water events, low water events, like a lot of people kind of get turned off to go and try to fish those. But like, I mean, at the end of the day, the fish still are going to be there. and It's just going to change, you know, with the flows, like you get a high water event, those fish are going to move uh, towards, you know, towards the bank, if you get a low water event, they're going to try to find those oxygenated areas or that kind of, you know, deeper water that they can get down in. And, um, I think just if, if any listeners like don't get out and don't get away from like maybe their main trout stream, I highly recommend going to like fish some different fisheries because that'll give you a different perspective and it may change the perspective of the way you fish your local waters so Mm -hmm.
2: yeah it can give you i mean i think that also comes to the one of the i think the most important parts of fly fishing and it's all about learning um you know the there's so much to learn and um as fly fishermen and we're all guilty of this we convince ourselves sometimes of how we figured out the fish and there's all sorts of different ways you can figure them out um whatever that means right you can only know so much fish uh Fish are, are the, the true bearers of, of knowledge of what they're going to really eat. Yeah. But what's interesting about that is there's so much to learn. Um, my dad and I, every year, we always take a couple of days off in the season and we try and go support another guide in another river, um, whether that be in Montana or another state. And I love going with other guides and just learning. There, there's so much to learn. Everyone has their own different things they like to do. Um, and it's just kind of fun listening to that and trying to figure out how maybe you could apply that on your home water. So I'd agree with you. I'd recommend any listeners to go trying and fishing new, new water because in the end, it's not always all about trying to just catch fish and put a post on Instagram. Right. Um, it's about the learning. It's about getting out there and taking advantage of these resources and always showcasing to ourselves why we want to like keep these resources around because it's pretty yeah. awesome to be able to go do do what we can do but i do love my gram pics too you know there's something to be said about the gram that's fair i know you do you, you 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 got a you got a great smile for the gram so i don't blame yeah. you one
0: bit kyle says i got a face for podcasts but i think i got a face for the instagram you know i mean it's a face only a mother could love exactly
1: <laughs> nobody's looking at your face when you're posting on instagram keaton yeah
0: good point they zoom in on the fish and they like Who's this other ugly motherfucker holding this fish? I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Uh, No, all respect. Like I, I think there's like a time and place for some Instagram posts, but there's also a time and place for, uh, you know, making sure that we're keeping our fish healthy. So.
2: Well, yeah, my coworker Shane the other day brought up an interesting point. Um, you know, it's, it's super cool to catch a big brown trout and post a photo holding it way out of the water with, you know, its big articulated streamer hanging out of its mouth. And that is super cool. Um, but how can we make it cool to, oh, I picked up all this trash. I'm trying to clean up my river and post that. Why doesn't like, you know, it's something where it's like, we want that to be also cool. And at the same time though, I think that's less about Instagram, right? And that's just something that as fly fishing, we all do, right? We don't have to post a photo of the trash we picked up for people to be like oh that's you know i'm glad you did that that's just something we all do you know i think that's as as you guys in this podcast um working with on water a big part of the, their mission right is, and our and your mission and, and just as fishermen is conservation um and i think you know that that's something we're trying to trying to kind of show is is a good thing to do
0: um i do feel like though um like i i occasionally will post like maybe i have a slow day fishing and i'll post or i have a great day fishing i'll still post like pictures of like hey i caught this fish but i still had time to clean up this river here or x y and z you know and i yeah as much as you're like you know people are like oh this guy's just doing it for the clout it's like also i'm trying to do it to motivate people to that like you said it is cool to pick up trash it is a good idea if you're in there for the better or the greater good of your river to clean up and to try to benefit your fisheries so 100 percent, i couldn't agree with you more
2: and um yeah it's, i feel like it's something we need more of for sure
1: yeah absolutely well you kind of brought it up a couple of times here now josh why don't we transition into talking about on water and your involvement there yeah um so i mean i guess i, I
2: probably just start by describing I mean w- what is on water so on water is an app um, that we've been building mm, I, I, this the the two founders I think really started the idea you know years and years ago um, started talking about it but we really started developing and building this app in the fall of 2020 and in the past I'd say since uh, this last, January or so, we really started released in the app store and really started getting it going. Now the Onwater app is a um, kind of fishing-based platform that eventually will kind of be set more just around river recreation, river usage. But it's an app that is developed to help enhance the any fly fisherman's experience out on the water um, by gathering all this data that we'd look up if we were going on a, on a fishing trip, such as flows, weather. Um, you know, the local fly shops and just kind of that local information, but gathering all this public data out there about, you know, a specific river and kind of putting it in one place so someone can find that and use that. Um and I, I think you know, this is all built, this app and these maps are all built kind of with our, our core values, um, which can really be summed up in three words, you know, enhance, connect, and conserve these resources. Um, So we want to enhance our users experience and uh, fly fishing experience out on the water. We want to kind of connect all these facets of the fly fishing industry, um, fly shops, guides, outfitters, just river users in general um,
1: together and conserve this resource.
0: services you know there's a there's a few other mapping you know uh that they tell you like they got the basic things here's where you stand here's this public line here's this private line here's blm here's this like what's what are you guys aiming for with your on water app what what separates uh your guys's app from other mapping services out there i mean they got There's a bunch of apps out there that can tell you like state line, you know, private, public, all that. But what what's going to separate OnWater from the rest of the apps?
2: You know, that's a a great question. And what really separates us uh, from the other apps is our focus isn't solely on a map. Um, That is an important part of our app. Obviously, a a big reason why someone would want to use the app. But that's not our sole um, feature and tool to help fly fishermen. Right. Um, so our app kind of brings in all these resources. As I kind of just said, it, it brings in you know, everything you'd look for when going on a fishing trip all in one spot. So you do have the map and that's a huge part of it, right? The map can not only uh, provide information on public and private land data, um, but it also has a lot of information on access points. Um, little, and, and these points aren't just there to say go fish here, there's a little information, um, you know, associated with each, with almost every point of interest. Um, So that's campsites, access points. Uh, A good example would be one with maybe a a very steep walk down to the river. Um, Trying to inform people to help them make, you know, decisions out in the field that will make their experience more enjoyable. Um, So we do have the map and we have a lot of other features too. Um, So we have distance calculation between points, this can come in handy when floating say a new river um, if you've never been there before you can uh, see where you're at in relation to a specific boat ramp you can also uh, just recently developed kind of set up a geofence that will alert you when you're within a certain distance of say a boat ramp or an area along the river which can come in handy I, i know we've all had those experiences where you're out floating maybe a new stretch of water and you're unsure where exactly the boat ramp is in relation to where you're at. Um, It brings in all the flow station data uh, for those local rivers and it's all populated automatically and updated whenever USGS is updating those flow stations. Mm -hmm. Um, Weather, and then a huge part of our app that kind of sets us apart is we're really trying to um, promote the local local fly shops and local resources for fly fishing. Um, so on our river maps and on our uh river kind of information pages, uh the fly shops and local shuttle services are all there and linked. Um, free of charge. It's not like a, you know, kind of a paid thing for those shops. They're all just listed um, to try and help people, you know, drive traffic to those local businesses. And I think you know looking at the broader view of on water kind of down the future or in the future uh there's you know a direction we want to go to how can we help serve the outfitters and guides at these local waters as well too so that's something you know down the line we we look to look to try and develop as
1: well. Yeah
0: benefit yeah. the local economy.
1: So <clears throat> how did you get involved in on water Josh? Is this what brought you back down to Denver and and had you spend some time down there well how did you get involved mm-hmm. so uh just backing
2: up a little bit i graduated college uh last last spring and i graduated with a degree in gis mapping and city planning and a minor in climate change studies and so um this app although it doesn't use the specific gis systems that i used in my major uh you know it's a mapping based app and i have a, I have a lot of. Um, you know, practice and a scholarly practice, you know, using maps and kind of working with them. Um, so it was kind of a natural natural progression into this, this sort of field, if you will. Now, specifically with the app, the owner of the lodge that we do a lot of our guide trips out of called the Madison Valley Ranch, um, he is actually also the co-founder, of the, not the co-founder, but the founder of the OnWater app. And so, um, you know, kind of through some connections and, Uh, you know, my history of being in in the industry and fly fishing industry and guiding as well kind of just seemed like a, a, a great fit to transition um, you know, helping him with this sort of mapping based app um, that was all about fishing. Um, So that's kind of how I ended up getting involved. I didn't really move to Denver because the app, you know, right now, I think we have 20 full-time full-time employees. Um, We don't have a, a, we all are, you know, dispersed throughout the country, uh, work remotely, but it seemed like a, a good transition to go try, you know, live
0: in a new area, be able to work remote. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Super cool. So how many, how many States do you have access to, uh, on the on water app? Yeah. So currently
2: we have 20 curated States. Um, now, as a company, right, we have a couple of different phases and goals um, for development. The first one is to hit all 50 states, and that'll be done here, hopefully within the year, um, but sooner than later. And that's, that's our first goal to hit. Um, a big one's going to be Alaska, uh, as now living up there, Kyle, I'm sure uh, uh, you'd agree. There's quite a few rivers up there. So that that's, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but yeah. kind of the next developmental phase that's kind of a natural progression for all the information we're already kind of gathering um, and curating is moving into just the river industry. So that could be whitewater rafting, um, just river usage in general. And then, you know, eventually um, we will see kind of how that could develop. I don't know if that would move into, you know, worldwide. Um, There's a lot of potential, uh, but to answer your question right now, we're in 20 states and quickly adding more and more. I think we just loaded um, some data to start curating in eight more states uh, this next week. So making a lot of progress. Um, you know, a really important distinction that sets us apart from almost every other app is that our maps are all hand curated and they are not uh, hand curated from public data, but they are not you know made by a computer. Um, there are people consciously in there making those decisions of maybe I'll add this boat ramp, um, or this access point, right. Or also making the decision of maybe I don't have to add this one. Uh, this isn't, you know, the BLM access area. Maybe this is a spot that we don't need to add, um, because it's a little, little more in the know, yeah. uh, you know, the, it's important to note, you know, the goal with on water isn't to map every river and showcase every spot on every river, um, it's really all about showcasing people where they can publicly go access water. We all know a lot of people are getting into just the outdoor recreation industry in general. Um, you know, no one's scrolling through the app store, seeing a fishing app and going, you know what, I'm gonna go buy a rod and try this out. People are already out there fishing and might as well, I think it's, or I think it's really important to try and arm them with these tools to go legally access as opposed to just unknowingly chomping around private land. Um, to inform them how to properly handle these fish and, you know, try and teach good stewardship of our rivers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, one thing I kind of noticed, uh, when I was, I was looking at the app, um, is that I like that you give me like other outdoor apps, give me access to things outside the river, but you guys kind of narrow down on like things right on the river, access points like you're saying all those things that you highlighted it's more built for the river so it's like you, you could have your you know your your out near your, your on x's and stuff for like all the hunting lands and everything around you but it doesn't give you as much like specifics as like the on water app is i can you know go click on a button and see hey i can go access this point and i'm learning stuff from your app that i didn't know that I, you know, places I didn't know I could access or had access to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know,
2: it's, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, we have this team of curators and all this kind of data they've they've been able to acquire through, um, calling fly shops, uh, calling, you know, the shuttle services, um, reading tons and tons of articles about rivers, um, you know, looking at, at maps and other satellite imagery, um, and, and yeah, that, that's an important part. You know, we, we do focus pretty heavily on, like once you, you know, choose an area that you're, that you're trying to fish or wanting to go, you can really look in on that specific river or that specific still water and um, learn a little more about that specific area. With that said, it's also pretty cool if you don't, you know, are in a new area and don't exactly know where you want to go fish, um, we have a map view feature where zooms you out with the satellite imagery and shows your location and shows the rivers that are around you. Um, and I think a cool part of that, right, is there's a lot of rivers right now in the West experiencing, um, you know, more use use than they have in previous years. And what's cool about the app is, is say you were in my, uh, you know, in Bozeman right now or in Ennis, um, and, you just looked at the map view, it doesn't highlight one of those rivers in that area as being better than the others. That's not the point, right? It's, these are all, um, you know, fishable areas. They all have a description. You can kind of choose where, what you like best. Maybe you like that small Creek feel. Maybe you like a big water with a boat. Um, Maybe you like, you know, being able to fish kind of fast riffles, wade fishing. Um, And and you can kind of decipher all this through the app, which is pretty cool.
1: So, do you ever have any concerns about um, <clears throat> not necessarily blowing up a river, but almost exposing too much, and people being concerned that you're driving more traffic these places?
2: You know, and, and I, that's a definitely a, a fair concern, right? Um, no one wants to be out there hot spotting all, all your secret spots. Um, and I think when, I think that's an easy conclusion to jump to when when it, nowadays, especially you hear the word map. Um, it's just, you know, easy to kind of start going into that, uh, oh, everything's going to be showcased on this map. Um, and, but it's a fair, you know, a fair concern. And I think with our app, the important point that, that kind of, you know, sets us apart from and sets us aside from the possibility of spot burning is first off, this is all curated from public data. Now, these points are put in from reading through BLM resources, uh, you know, state agency resources, city and county resources. Um, You won't find, you know, clicking on a POI and on water a description that says, if you go knock on the rancher's door three times, say the code word, he will let you fish his private stretch. And I think that's also showcased within our parcel data. There's no um, name ownership associated with it. We're not trying to encourage people to go knock on, you know, some guy's door that has access to a stretch they wanna fish. Um, it's again about showing people where they can legally access and go explore the water for themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense.
0: And it's like, it's like, like you kind of, uh, said it well, but you know, even if you do ask these like, um, fly shops and you're using that kind of data that you're collecting that's already out there, um, the fly shops are using that same data and they're just going to pretty much tell you the same spots right then you're not gonna like you said you're not gonna get a lot of the secret spots out of it
2: yeah and 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 that's not our goal at all too right to get those secret spots the um uh i think it's important to note too that uh, on the maps there's it's not curated um to show like a spot to fish so it's not there's not a marker that says hey this hole fishes really well uh if you walk up 100 yards from this access point, there's this great hole. That's not what, what our, our maps are showcasing at all. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a big part of it is this is BLM land. This whole stretch is public. You can go, you know, again, explore that water for yourself. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a really important part. And I think a lot of the staff that I work with um, and, and, and my coworkers would really agree that, that they wouldn't have joined on to something, um, you know, a company like Onwater, if they didn't really, you know, consider this and kind of think about not only the idea of maybe spot burning, but also, you know, having good core values of trying to teach good stewardship of these rivers because in the end we all want the same thing. We want to keep these resources around and all be able to have fun and use them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I've got a little time in the app, one thing that was surprising most to me is I was like looking at a run the other day and the log, like the log jam, usually it's like, uh, older, like I'm like, Oh, that log jam's not there. But when I looked at that log jam and then I went out to go fish near that log jam, it was like pretty on par. Like, it, you know, that was a newer log jam, like from this year, how do you guys keep that up to date? So that
2: that's a great question. That's definitely a tricky part. Um, you know, cause especially where you're at in Washington, there's a lot more, uh, through high water and uh, and other events of channel switching, log jams running through. Um, I guess that's pretty common over on the big hole too. You know, every year there's some new log jams and channels you can't go down, right? Cause logs are there. And that's where really, we're working really hard to build relationships with supply shops. And that's where, um, you know, those relationships are gonna be very important Um, of kind of updating if there's a log jam or, you know, places that you can't get your raft through. Uh, yeah, it, it, it can be really tricky to keep up to date with that. And I just say, you know, really trying to build this relationship with the with the fly shop so we can get that, info, you know, new information put on our maps um, is, you know, gonna be really important. We kind of have curators that are, uh, you know, respond to a certain fly shop. So if that fly shop, we have that relationship with them and they want to tell us, Hey, Mark, that you can't make it through this channel right now. And um, they can kind of reach out directly to the curators of that river, which is,
0: you know, pretty cool relationship to have. Yeah. And that's so beneficial too to people that are looking to go float certain sections or, or certain rivers and never floated it before, because it's like, you always like, you know, if you don't know it, you're like, okay, you get to a point of the, do I go left or right, you know, and you can just like sit there real quick, open your app, be like, Oh, it says, don't go right. You know, you just, you're keeping people safe and, and uh, yeah. yeah so. And that's where down the road
2: kind of developing into the white water too, could be really, really cool and be able to have that, um, you know, rapids mark with an up-to-date description of, of how to run it could, you know, be really beneficial and, and, you know, save lives out there um, truthfully. Cause You know, it's easy to, you know, water, uh, log jams, rapids, it can all be pretty dangerous. Um, It's easy to forget sometimes just rowing every day, but uh, you gotta have a lot of respect for the water. You know, that's where another one of the features really comes in handy of being able to show you where you're at in relation to one of those points of interest. So if you were floating a section with a rapid and you never floated it before, you can see, um, and you don't have to be online to do this, right? You can download these maps offline, be out of service, it still uses your phone's GPS and you can see where you're at in relation to those hazards. Um, which again, in the field can really can
1: come in handy. Yeah. That's really cool. Cause I know that if I'm ever floating a river for the first time, I feel like every corner, I'm like, all right, I got to hop out. I'm going to go walk around the corner and check around what's the corner. Cause I mean, sometimes you come around a corner and that's a log jam all the way across. Like <clears throat> for example, the log jam below, um, state boat launch there on the Acoma for a long time was completely blocked, but you never knew it unless you talked to a fly shop or you knew somebody else there. Or you're with a guide who knew that logjam was there. Cause otherwise you're screwed. If you go down the main channel there, yeah. um, I mean, nowadays it's more open, you can get through it. But like you said, talking to those fly shops, having that Intel is something that's super critical to, not just making people more successful, but to be safe and um, have better. Now, is that something that you, like one of your goals is to be um, in a lot of those shops, those main shops and those main rivers, uh, having them like recommend the app to people? Like somebody walks in and says, Hey, I'm going to float this section. Where can I put in? Where can I take out? Uh, What should I look for? Is that a goal is to have that shop say like, Hey, why don't you download the on water app? Um, this is the area you're going to be and then they're able to just have that person pull it up on their phone. Is that, is that a goal?
2: You know, I, I think that that's kind of like a um, offshoot of one of our goals. And I think the goal is to build just relationships with the shops um, mm-hmm. to be able to, to, you know, keep some of that kind of hazardous information up to date. Um, but, you know, if you build a good relationship with the shops, that could be a benefit, right? If they like it and want to, you know, recommend it to, to customers to, you know, see where they're at along the river. Um, yeah. That'd be a, uh, that'd be a great benefit. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's cool too. Like there's obviously a lot of maps out there right now um, and, and there's
0: nothing wrong with, with going paperless in this day and age too. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of say. Yeah, yeah for Sure. Do you, I mean like fly shops, right. They kind of, they kind of get that uh, reputation of, Hey, like I went to do a float. Uh, This fly shop told me that if I do this float, it takes me this amount of time, you know, could that be a challenge that you guys face? Like um, you might pitch it to a fly shop, but uh, they might be losing some like personal connection with people there. Is that something that you guys have thought about or worry about? Um, And, you know, when working with fly shop, that. Shops, that is something you thought about.
2: Like, we're not trying to take anything away from that local business. And yeah. so that's why uh, we're you know, developing kind of this whole co-branding thing, right? Um, where people are always reminded of, of that fly shop that they, you know, whether they purchase the app there um, or that's just, you know, a common one along the river, it, it doesn't go away to, you know, you can't replace that person-to-person interaction, exactly. you know what I mean? And that's not our goal at all. Um, and I, I think that that's important to know. Great question. Yeah. Um, and something we've definitely talked about of that. We don't want to make sure that we don't
0: do that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I could see like, you know, you pitching that to them, it could be some fly shops, you know, that could be a rough edge for them. You know, they might take it, but I think like, if you can build that, like you're saying that co-op relationship, that could be so beneficial for them because they can, like you mentioned, you can, be like, Hey, I, you know, we use this app and then they can also do that personal connection and be like, Hey, this point to this point, and then they're using your app and still being able to share that information with, with their clients. So,
2: yeah, that's true. And, you know, you could say the same thing though, about selling like a paper mat, or even just if you're in a shop, telling people where to go, If you tell them where to go, do they have to come back. Yeah. Um, but then they, and, and uh, again, that's something we've talked about and that we don't want to do and um you know fly shops still have so much you know importance uh to any level of fishermen um, wherever they're at uh, there's always different bugs to be fishing um you always need a new shirt a new net right
0: um exactly. or sticker. But you're
2: right you you can't replace that that person-to-person interaction yeah. and that's again not not our goal at all
0: so So I want to take kind of a step back from like the water and we're talking about the usage of the app, like on the, on the water. But like when I'm planning trips, you know, I'm looking for like campsites and stuff. Can I use your app to find campsites and where to stay and, and kind of uh, things outside of just like the fishing, like the everyday things? Yeah, hundred percent. So
2: we do have campgrounds mapped and, Um, As long as the campground isn't just like a, you know, um, primitive kind of campground where there's no established sites. We do have a link to the, uh, whether it's National Forest Service site um, or the BLM site where you can then reserve it from uh, directly from the agency uh, that the campsite is on. Or if, you know, it's a private kind of campsite, we have still all those links to get in contact and and get, get your spot reserved. Um, and, and that kind of goes back to, right. The app, there's definitely a fishing focus, but it's not solely fishing, right? It's about just recreation and using these rivers and as a resource to enjoy.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now, if
1: I say I'm floating down the the Madison and I come across this one hole, I'm like, Oh man, I just caught a whole bunch of fish out of this hole. And I want to come back to this. Let's say I'm there for like a week. Is there a way for me to mark that? spot on the map and save that to my personal um like library of waypoints yeah so we have
2: this really cool feature called the my places feature and you know a really it's kind of like your own personal fishing journal um that you can attach to a gps point Um, the most important you know this feature is it's not a social feature right so the my places um yeah say you're sitting in that hole you caught a bunch of fish you can click on the, my places button and, um, add it, you know, right to where you're standing. And then it automatically brings in the flow station data and weather, um, from that moment you at the point, you can also attach maybe a photo. If you want, um, there's a note section where you can say, uh, you know, maybe you caught it on the swing or it was under an indicator or it did a dry fly. You can put that uh, there's a box for the specific fly pattern um, and then that's all saved on your device. Uh, and I, I know, I keep a personal fishing journal and I think this is a pretty cool way to get even a little more information and kind of, um, you know, I always nerd out about developing a pattern of, oh, I caught a bunch of big fish here this year, you know, why, why would that be? Um, it's kind of a cool way you can, you know, not only reminisce on on a good day, but also, um, try and learn a little more about the fish, you know? Yeah,
0: for sure. So say I, I marked my spot, right. And I'm floating ahead and I know that Kyle's going to float it later that afternoon. Is there a way for me to share that point with Kyle? So that is something that, you know, down the road,
2: we we might try and think of a way, um, where you could maybe share with a buddy. Right now, it's not shareable at all, because again, we want to make make sure it's known this isn't, this, just our whole app in general, it's not like a social app, um, where you're sharing all these spots, and sharing, oh, all these, I did all, you know, I caught this fish, and everyone can see you caught it, where you caught it, and what it ate, um, so right now, it's not a shareable feature at all, it's important to know, it's your, you know, your own personal thing. Um, now, down the road, with that said, there is definitely some possibility where, we would try and find a way you could yeah share it with just a buddy. Um but we're just we're doing that right now. We're trying to be really conscious about, you know, it's not like a social feature, right? That yeah that can just all of a sudden everyone sees your little spot.
0: Yeah. I'm just thinking like in a like a guide perspective, how beneficial that could be to share with your other guides, you know, mm-hmm. or, or something of that sort. So,
2: well, and that's something, so down the road, we do have plans on making more of a kind of guide slash outfitter version. Um, and that would be something that, that would be a part of that, right. You'd, ha- you'd want to be able to, with your guide crew, share certain points, um, may even be able to see where each other are at, uh, on a trip. If you're trying to meet up for lunch, um, but that's something, you know, down the road that, that would be considered and talked about hundred percent.
0: Yeah. What, what would you say is, uh, your favorite part about the app?
2: You know, I, uh, that's a tough question. There's a lot of, there's some pretty cool features. Honestly, I being a GIS major and always looking at maps, I nerd out about distances. Um, And what is, you know, you you might uh, doing float trips and guiding, I'm sure you both always get this question, how far do we just float? How far do we just float? Um, And, you know, you always have that kind of rough uh, number you remember from seeing a map in the fly shop of, oh, Lions Ruby, it was 12 miles. Um, Here, I love the real-time distance calculations all along that polyline that we have for each river. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really cool to see where you're at in relation to a point. Um, I float the mass and i floated it at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And, um, I still think it's cool to pull out in a bend. i love to eat lunch at and see how really how far I actually am from the takeout. Um, that's one of my favorite features for sure.
0: Cool. I think I, I do. One thing I really liked is that when I first opened the app and I clicked on a river, I could see there was reports, there was, uh it told me where my local fly shops were and then the one thing i'm always like nerding out about is watching the uh the flows of a river so i like Mm -hmm. how that's like real time it's like and it tells you last updated 20 minutes ago last updated 10 minutes ago um and i love seeing that because i love watching that graph it's so interesting because i'll look at the graph and then i'm like Mm -hmm. even though i might not be fishing i'm like oh i got to drive down to the river and i got to see what it looks like at this point you know and so Uh, I think that's such a cool feature that I can just be like, okay, I'm standing here and it, now this river is on the rise. Look at, now I'm watching the river slowly kind of go up or, oh, this is, uh, look at the water quality as it kind of, you know, plateaus or, oh, now it's on the drop. And you, you know, you can really learn from those moments, uh, from the flow chart, just seeing it as the days go on. And, And it does, like, if you keep track of it, it helps you predict what, you know, could be a good year or could be a bad year for your river. So
2: definitely it's, um, you know, and that, and again, what I love about about the app, right, is all these things that we'd normally look at and go to all these different places to try and find is all right there. Um, the fishing reports, yeah, the flows, just like you said, and it is cool to be able to just quickly access all that information in one spot.
0: Yeah. Um, can I use the on water app both on my desktop and my phone or is it just like strictly an app and what do you find do you find like one works better than the other so i wouldn't say one works better than the other i'd
2: say there's two different scenarios where i like to use one over the other if that makes sense yeah um so when i'm planning a trip kind of in advance it is nice to have it up on the desktop um just a bigger screen uh it's still all the exact same information you have all the same capabilities. Um, I just, you know, when I'm planning a trip, I might like to have, uh, you know, a couple other tabs that I can easily more easily go see. Um, obviously in the field use my phone. Uh, again, I, I, it's, I, one doesn't work better than the other, but I, I do enjoy just the larger screen if I'm like say planning a trip. Yeah. Um, the, uh, now, one feature on the mobile app that isn't on the computer because you don't bring your computer in the field is the ability to download those maps for offline use. Um, so that's pretty handy that, you know, not, I mean, I mean, not just handy, it's that you need it for a lot of these rivers that are out of service. is the ability to, you know, view it offline. Um, so on the mobile app, that's, that's one feature that's more specific just to the mobile app is that ability. Yeah.
0: What are some goals for on waters uh, in the coming years? I know you talked about like some things that you guys want to develop. Um, do you ever see yourself maybe getting into like lakes and uh, maybe saltwater access points or mm-hmm. anything of that sort? Or is there anything else that you might want to share that's like not given away uh, too much? Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, so right now we actually do have a fair amount of still waters um, curated. We are just creating a slightly different tool for that curation, um, and I think is ideally completing on Friday. So the Stillwater curation will vamp up, or you know, we'll actually start adding a ton more of them. Um, but we do have a fair amount curated right now. Uh, as I, as you know, I think we touched on it just a little bit some of the goals, right? Develop more into just water use in general, so that could include whitewater, um, just all the all the uh, recreation kind of more associated around. Um, in these rivers and still waters we're going to have mapped there could be some potential definitely to go into salt water um right now uh definitely wouldn't count that out right now we're focusing on just getting all, all 50 states um but a huge other goal of ours and kind of goes back to our core values is you know this conservation aspect um i believe as a company made well over twenty five thousand. um dollars and donations to different conservation organizations. And as a you know, super young company, we're, we're proud to say that, that we are making um, these conservation efforts and donations to enhance our rivers and streams. And I think that's gonna continue to be a huge goal and focus of ours moving forward. It's not only teaching people um, and helping inform them of proper stewardship rivers and how they can get involved um, and showcasing uh, on our maps where these conservation efforts are happening yeah. Um, but also just you know getting out there um, doing river cleanups as a company um, kind of like you've set up some great cleanups over on, on cedar and other areas um, you know definitely going down that avenue, uh, a lot more um, super important to our industry and something we definitely want to be
0: a part of yeah, absolutely um i had one more thing i want to ask yeah I can't remember. Well, uh, you know, we, we've covered a lot of topics, talked a little bit about your fishing experience, kind of about you. And then we really covered a lot about on water. Is there anything else that you might want to add, uh, about maybe yourself, the Madison on water, anything? Um, well, I think another
1: interesting conversation
0: point, bring
2: you guys in on the conversation a little more instead of me just rambling, um, just about, uh, how you, uh, someone asked me this the other day and I thought it was a great question, but how in the past years I've grown as a fisherman and not relating that to like, oh, I've gotten better at fishing, right? Like, oh, I can catch more fish, but how, how like, what have you really learned um, through, you know, your past couple of years being out on the water a lot more that you think is really interesting and maybe not necessarily pertaining to catching fish?
0: Are you asking that to us?
2: I am like for me thinking about that what I thought was interesting was um, just thinking about how fish feed you know being out there all the time it, It's just uh, it, I think it's, I just think it's so interesting just watching them um, you know feeding from different uh, stages of nymphs um, eating on the top water to even being out there some days in January and those moments where they gorge. Uh, you know it's their little window where there's some bugs out and it's just warm enough. Um, and i I kind of learning about that for me. Is kind of I always thought been super interesting these past couple of years.
0: Yeah. No, I w- I would agree with you. Um, some things that I've like really uh, that fly fishing has taught me is I always when I first got into it, I always thought I had to like be perfect with everything, um, like be perfect at drifts, making sure I'm like matching that hatch, you know. Right, right, correctly. But, you know, a lot of the hatches and stuff that like pop off and, uh, you can get close as long as you get sizes and stuff, like you don't have to be as perfect. And, uh, and then finding, you know, it's always surprising to me having a fish like even in like smaller rivers, um, like throwing a big streamer or something and you wouldn't expect a fish to eat it. And there's always some ambitious fish, um, in the, in the river that you can, you know, get it to eat a big streamer or something of that sort. So I think just watching, like you said, like, uh, feeding patterns and, and just over the years kind of learning, um, different things. Like I talked, I touched, uh, earlier too, about like the high water and low water, like fish are still there and, and things, um, fish are still there and you, you can still find fish, uh, you know, even though, there might be an event happening so yeah yeah it's cool uh, to see
2: that aggressive nature of 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 fish um like say you want if you hook like a smaller one and maybe a bigger brown trout comes and swipes at it yeah um or i I float uh we kind of do family trips on the middle fork of salmon and sometimes you'll have a cutthroat on and a bull trout will come up and swipe at it and it's it's yeah it's cool to see that that kind of aggressive nature that some of those fish have
0: yeah did i answer that okay i i was like i remember my question i started typing it when you asked me the question
2: no i was was just just talking about some uh, some other aspects besides just like you know catching fish uh i think it's kind of cool to talk about
0: you know i think too one of the things that i've really like uh when i'm first learning to fly fish i was always like oh i was so focused in on what i was doing and my casting and everything that i was so worried about like I was always looking at the water, but now yeah. I will like make sure that in my day at some point I step back and I just like, look up, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I try to find wildlife and I try to look at the views and I try to like, enjoy like seeing downriver Cause I'm always such like, I'm always in chunks, right? Like I'm always yeah. like, Oh, this is the next spot I'm hitting. I'm going to walk and I'm watching where I'm walking or I'm watching where I'm rowing or I'm looking Kind of at that next spot, but I never stop. Just sit back for a minute and enjoy that view. Yeah, and that's yeah. like one tip that I would throw out to everyone is just to like really just enjoy your surroundings. Try to, you know, like when we were at the Madison, I was so like I just loved fishing, but mm-hmm. I would stop and I look up, and it was cool to see. Like if you didn't look up, you'd miss some of the like bull moose drinking out of the water, or like yeah, on the on the side. Like you don't get to see that every day so what a great experience there
2: definitely
1: um i think one thing i've learned is to uh just kind of like kind of like keaton said is the moment that i can sit back and kind of enjoy what what is around me not necessarily just about the fishing i feel like the fishing is all of a sudden better um once you can look around and appreciate what you're seeing i feel like we instantly become i wouldn't say more successful fishing but i just feel like the whole trip um, turns mm-hmm. around i think a lot of that too comes from reading clients you know i've yeah. had a lot that i've now taken out and you can tell the, like today um i had a couple clients the river was a little, was a little high right now uh that fishing is not excellent but we did catch fish and we hooked a few fish and this couple was super stoked just to be on the river they didn't they I mean, obviously you go on a fishing trip you want to catch a fish and once they caught a couple fish they were like this is awesome mm-hmm. super happy. raving about it all the way home all the way back to the, the shop talking about it once they got there when they leave they're just like oh we had such a great time and <clears throat> just once you can really appreciate the trip for what it is and not just to go out there and stack up fish, yeah. uh, I feel instantly have a, a much greater time. And I, I think a lot of that just, it comes from the, the customers themselves. They're kind of at their own disposition when they come into the trip on what their expectations are. Mm-hmm. But I think it too is reading your client and being able to, to know what their goals are and then just really trying to, vibe with them the best that you can tr- really try to meet those goals if they have them and just try to it's just all about client interaction and all that does uh, the only way to get better with that as a guide is just to get more reps in and just have more clients from more diverse backgrounds and ages today i had a couple that were in their late 70s but i've had them as old as in their late 80s and as young as six years old you know so it's all just all about having that super diverse background and just meeting all those different types of people. That's, That's something definitely. I really focus on. And especially up here in Alaska. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Being on the road system, we're fairly close to Anchorage. You can get here. I I'm sure people can hear in the background the freeways or the highway is right behind me. And yeah. so we're accessible. And a lot of the people that do book trips with us, they're here <clears throat> in Alaska because they just want to say that they fish in Alaska and when you come to Alaska, that's what you have to do, right? And so, yeah, it's very different clientele base than say what I had back home in Washington with Ellensburg Angler. Is we're on the Yakima River, and people are coming to Ellensburg Angler to the Yakima River to fish. Mm -hmm. I'd say probably ninety percent of the clients are coming over from the west side for the day, and they're coming over to fish. So their expectations and their goals for this that singular trip is much different than say a couple I took out today, this is day, I think they've been in Alaska for like a day or two. And this is Mm -hmm. like second day of eight days of doing a bunch of other things. So just interacting different and having different clients on different schedules and different goals and different ideas has been super eye opening to me on how I just hold client guide relationship. Yeah.
2: It, uh, that kind of makes me think of, you know, my, my cousin's, um, from, from Denver. Um, they actually, they come out fishing with us every summer and my younger cousin, Franny, she always just crushes it. Um, and I think there's something to be said for the fact that she doesn't care. Like she would be happy if she caught zero fish, one fish, she's just out there having a good time. And a majority of the time that leads to her just not only crushing fish, but just having the best time ever. Um, And that's
1: definitely something we can all learn from that, I feel like. And I've had trips where you have that guy or gal that just wants the numbers. And Mm -hmm. sometimes if they're a proficient enough angler, you can get numbers. But a lot of times, the the moment that person wants to catch a fish more than enjoy the trip, like catching a fish is the only way they're going to have a good time, that's the moment you stop catching fish because they're so focused on that. They're not enjoying their surroundings or not noticing uh, like the beaver lodges we're seeing, you know, the mm-hmm. beaver, all the different types of ducks, but they're just so hyper-focused. That's the moment that the trip is no longer as successful as it could be. Yeah.
2: yeah. It can definitely be, be tricky. Well, and
0: I know it, that. It can put a lot of pressure on your guide. So your guide's not going to give you that same – experience, right? Like when you're going down, you know, you're so worried about the fish that you might forget that, Hey, there's some, uh, some rams over here that I like to point out, or, Hey, there's a herd of elk that always crosses in this area, you know? So Mm -hmm. you want to, you know, and and I feel like that I've learned is that pointing out those things can make a better experience for your clients as well. And just like, just being on the river, you know, I feel like a lot of people's stress go it sounds corny, but it goes with the river, right? Like they get on the river, their day-to-day kind of just goes away and they just, you know, the majority of them are just out there to enjoy it. So, yeah. So I had one more question. I'm going to circle back to On Water real quick. Sorry that this mm-hmm. is like at the end, but um, say I, you mentioned that uh, log jams and blockages. How can I report that to you guys uh, while using the app? Mm-hmm, um, good question.
2: Uh, right now, the best way is to email team at onwater.com. I think it's linked in the um, in our about page here. Uh, ideally, we're gonna be coming up soon with a um, more specific report system. So right now we have like with the fly shops right here, a, a specific curator is kind of associated with that shop. If They wanted to report something. Um, and that's something in, in the future that we will be, you know, working to develop where if a user wants to report this log jam, you know, we can help update that. Um, and so that's something that's going to be coming into, into development very soon.
1: Nice. Sweet. Yeah. Cause like, like you said, things can change and mm-hmm. have on, and like firsthand on the water reporting, like, this is what I'm seeing right now. And even yeah. though you got stuff up to date stuff happens like mm-hmm. creek that's literally a hundred yards from my trailer right now it went from like 2200 to 1700 um in just a couple hours you know like it like yeah happens and then it goes right back up just since i've been off the water it's got up another 300 cfs so it fluctuates it can fluctuate a lot and just in that amount of time a lot of things can happen
2: yeah um definitely and you know we uh you know right now yeah email the team um eventually we're gonna have a, a way just within the app um where those can can be reported and then we'll have someone go overlook that to to include that hazard
0: nice
1: oh cool keaton
0: you think we're ready to run into our uh yeah. Uh I got one more thing for him and then uh we can move on to some rapid fire here so rapid fire. Um if someone wants to get a hold of you for a trip or questions about on water what's the best way to do that?
2: Mhm. Um two ways uh I phone call um for on water or for a trip on the Madison best um 406-548-8446. Um generally all summer long you're kind of on the water but the message uh if you have a question about guiding or the app and i'll get back to you as soon as i can um you guys know how busy you get during the season yeah. um, and also i'll uh maybe we can link a, an email um uh, in this episode or something too
0: cool yeah
2: yeah
0: well sweet uh, I say uh, Kyle, do you want to kick us off for our rapid fire round questions? Let's throw Josh on the spot now. Yeah, for
1: sure. All right. So we're keat now we're gonna kinda um, go uh question for question, let you know what's uh what's up and just feel free to answer. Oh one second, I'll let this car drive by. There you go. Um, we'll just, uh, feel free to answer and elaborate as you wish. Sounds good. All right. First question is what is your favorite fish? Favorite
2: fish. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think I'd have to go with the mountain whitefish. The most (laughs) underappreciated and versatile fish out here in Western or, uh, in the West, um, they uh you know you gotta love a, a native fish uh, i definitely you know brown trout uh, bull trout you know there's something to be said for a real aggressive aggressive trout like that but
1: uh i've never i guess
2: i'd just say i've never met a white fish i didn't
1: like oh 100 percent one of the best uh guide saving days ever right <laughs>
0: only if you could you, know, you could teach them to jump That'd be like... I'm working on it. Uh, we're making progress. Grab the jump rope.
2: Yeah, we're working on it.
0: Cool.
1: Up here, uh, it's interesting because the white fish back home is like, oh, it's just a white fish to some people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to catch a white fish. But I'm like, again, it, it saves your, your day because your client's catching a fish for one. Um, like you said, they're a wild fish. Up here, white fish are treated like this... Super rare exotic species because you don't catch a lot of whitefish up here. So when people fish, they like freak out. And and up here, the equivalent of a whitefish back home is a grayling. Like people mm-hmm. like when you have when you're having a bad day, your day is saved when you catch a grayling. It's, it's very interesting how that happens. that is kind of funny. But yeah,
2: the uh, they 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 have definitely shown a lack of respect. Um, yeah. I think it, what's interesting about them is you might have a client with the whitefish on, they're having a lot of fun, right? They're fighting this fish, you know, out on the water, what, what could be better? And then you net it and you see it's a white fish and you're like, Oh, it's like, well, what changed? You were having fun a couple of seconds ago. <laughs> we are, we weren't, we're not taking, you know, a photo with every fish or anything. No. Like, you had some fun We're releasing it. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have to be like a damper. Um, so yeah, I, I, that definitely is my favorite fish. I think they're underappreciated.
0: Well, so like the white fish can, I've, I've had white fish and like bottom fish spool me and I'm like, what's better than yeah. that. Right. Like my, the yeah. trout, I don't, I don't get very many trout that even take that much line from me. So <laughs> when I got a fish making a hard run down the river, it's like, oh yeah, this is what's up right here. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, um, you know,
2: the, uh, they all eat like the same
0: stuff pretty much
2: yeah great. um it's not like like oh i have to put on this you know egg brown egg to only catch the white fish now they all they're eating, may, they're eating mayflies caddis stone flies
0: yeah. um so yeah all right this is a rapid fire round josh damn it here we go what Sorry. is your what is your dream destination dream destination in general
2: or dream destination to fish
0: dream destination to fish
2: Hmm,
0: man. Um,
2: you know, there's a lot of areas I'd love to go explore. Uh, Mongolia, I've done very little saltwater fishing, um, and tons of places that I'd love to go experience. But I have to say, my dream destination and they'll always hold a special place in my heart's in Milford and Salmon. Um, in part because of you know that wilderness area is so beautiful but it's also kind of just been a family trip so it has some sentimental value to it as well and that's that's still is my dream destination
0: awesome what is your favorite uh snack and drink to have when you're out fishing i like that question um
2: if you asked all my buddies i float with uh my probably favorite drink um Non-alcoholic would be uh, a Red Bull, sugar-free Red Bull. There's something about a Red Bull um, that that just jives neat. They don't try and hide it behind some fruity flavor. Tastes like jet fuel. You're getting exactly you know what it is. And yeah. I I I do have a goal to be the first Red Bull sponsored fishing guy, and I've been working on it. Yeah. Made no progress so far, but it's gonna happen. I'd say my favorite snack is probably. A uh, uh, there's these like Power Crunch bars, like that are apparently protein energy bars. They're definitely just straight fake sugar, but they're fantastic. Um, I'm not getting paid to say that either. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think
0: you're gonna have to compete with Todd though for Red Bull sponsorship. Oh, I probably be- would. You um, can drink some Red Bulls. That isn't. That
2: is. You know. I, I definitely don't go too hard on the Red Bulls. You know, stick to the smaller, smaller pan. I would say, though, one, you know, kind of a dark horse that, that's recently developed would be uh, uh, an Americano. You know, I never really drank coffee until recently, and I definitely been, you know, espresso is, is a game changer. I'm not going to lie.
1: Heck, yeah. All right. Next question is, you are – driving to the river and uh, this brings me back to memories josh when when Ke- keegan and i were there in 2019 and uh-huh. we were driving bozeman to ennis that one day and then just how quiet it was in the car from the night before and, uh, <laughs> yeah you're, I, I i really remember your extensive spotify playlist so and i know it's kind of a eclectic like variety of music but if you're driving to the river What are you bumping before a guide trip? So
2: two things. I'm going to plug my own playlist here on Spotify. I got a place called Bobber Down. Fantastic fishing playlist. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, Currently, what I'm bumping pulling up to the river, if I'm by myself, probably some tequila shots by Kid Cudi. But with clients, we're probably doing um, some J.J. Gray, uh, you know, a little little bit a little bit of bass in there kind of get the day going Uh, maybe at the end of day play some ice cube it was a good day Uh, that's that's a good closer i'd say
1: nice i like it i like it all
2: though i don't discriminate with music or or anything for that matter
0: nice all right you're headed out the door to go fishing what is one thing like s- separate from like your fishing rod and stuff, what is like one thing that you cannot leave your house without?
2: If I'm going fishing. Yeah. I mean, it'd have to be the on water app. Um, you got to know where you're at <laughs> on water. Um, <laughs> if I'm going to the Madison though, and I have, um, you know, that on water apps are in my phone anyway. So I'm going to have my phone. We're, we're all part of that generation. Our phone is glued to our side. Um, so aside from that, I'd probably say what I'm always bringing out the door hmm, is uh, either a speaker or some yeah headphones. Uh, I, I like to listen to music, um, and I don't want to you know be playing music going by other people. Uh, you know, I know people. I love to go experience nature too and just hear all the sounds and be immersed in it. But sometimes I like to listen to some music, so you know I'll bring bring some headphones. Usually a go to, maybe a, a unique unique item to bring when you go fishing. Yeah.
0: That's good.
1: All right. So Josh, what are you personally doing for conservation of your fisheries? hmm So currently on the
2: um Madison, uh there is a you know kind of a, a, a rule regulations that are, are gonna be put in place here. Um currently there's a committee has been meeting a bunch to try and decide on these rules. Um, I was in Denver, actually, unfortunately missed um, a fair amount of the meetings that this committee had. Uh, One of the biggest things currently that I'm doing though, is working, uh, kind of looking over just data, um, working with some other guys who collected a ton of data on how other rivers and other fisheries in the state and nationwide have been managed and trying to see how we could best develop a plan that would help fit the Madison. Um, you know, they're eventually gonna decide on this regulation plan. And I think it's important to note it's it's easy to, when developing these plans, kind of ignore all this, you know, there's so much data out there. Um, it's kind of easy to ignore it. And I think it really is important to kind of decipher that and look at what's worked for other rivers and what has um, and what hasn't worked on other rivers and how we can formulate a plan not just to regulate all the rivers, a plan specifically for the Madison, because there's no river regulation plan that that just fits every river. As we all know, all the rivers are used, guided, and recreational usage um, in all totally different ways. And so, right now, that's the, that's a, you know, a thing I'm, I'm really been focusing on. Um, at the the lodge we work at um, last last spring, we actually did a a big. Uh, Jack Creek restoration project on our kind of small little section that Jack Creek runs through and planted a ton of willows. Um, And hopefully this next fall too, when I'm back in Denver on water, um, we've been doing a lot more conservation efforts and we're working right now really closely and partnering with Colorado TU, going to be Montana TU, and then reaching out to Washington TU and other TU organizations um, in other states that we have river maps in. And hopefully be able to work with them and uh, get out in the field a little more, um, whether that's River cleanups, planting willows, restoration, um, you know, try and better these resources.
0: Nice. It's cool.
1: Um,
0: what's something that you wish you knew when you first started guiding?
2: Um, you know, I, I uh, and you guys started guiding pretty young too. I, I think it was interesting guiding. You know, I started right out of high school when I was 18. And um when I didn't have a beard, uh now I, I look at least like I'm maybe twenty or nineteen. When I didn't have a beard, I looked like I was about twelve. So I was pulling up to the boat ramp and it was very intimidating. What I wish I knew then that I that I, you know, know and, and can appreciate now, uh, one of our good buddies I got at Brandon, he goes, you know, obviously fishing guys have an important role. They create great experiences for people coming out, trying to fish in these new waters. Um, and they are the guys out in the water every day and they want to protect and conserve these resources. But as we all know, there's a lot of egos in fly fishing and Brandon always says, we're not curing cancer out here. We're fishing guides. And just, um, taking that quote and kind of applying it to like, you know, if you're at the boat ramp and you're getting all worried, you're not catching fish things, you know, you're getting flustered. It's important to remember, like it's, um, you know, it's not all about just catching fish. It's not all about, um, it's about the experience. And in the end, uh, I'm not like suit some, you know, I don't need to be inflating my ego because I got and we had a good day on the water. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I kind of wish I'd known that a little more. I feel like it would have been a little less intimidated. And then that first day when you have a good day, I wouldn't have been going to the shop going, Oh, I caught so many fish because you know, no one, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're all just out there trying to have a good time.
1: Yeah. For sure. Although Keaton did call me the moment, like literally as he was releasing a Giant Trout the other day, just to tell me how much better he is than, uh, than me.
2: Well, see, there's a difference between banter, right, with all your buddies and your friends. Oh, I love a good banter. My, my, just ask some of the guys I fish with. We just talk shit to each other all the time. But I just mean just general as a community, um, being more welcoming and open and open to, um, you know, new people trying to come in and all sorts of stuff. Uh,
0: I think that's an important, important part. Yeah. I, I kind of like my first year guiding, there was like right when I got my guide license, I was like, Oh man, like I'm a guide. Like I can walk in and I would tell people, I was like, it was like, you know, you're walking and you're like, Hey, I'm a guide. Hey, I'm a guide. And then like, now that I've like done it for a year, I'm like, I just kind of sit back and I'm like, if someone wants to talk about it, I will. But, you know, I, I think it's just that first, like whole experience, you know, i yeah. And I think like everyone, when they first started guiding, especially when you're younger, you're like, man, look, I'm like a young fishing guide, you know, but, um, as time goes on, like sitting in the back, kind of just enjoying, like you're saying, enjoy everything, enjoy the experience and at the end of the day it's like look how fortunate i am to be able to do this um i mean I, you get these like people that do like high tech jobs and stuff and they're like making tons of money and they come out and they're like wow i would trade trade my job for this every day if i could you know and that just mm-hmm. is that, that's kind of that check checkbox moment where you're like oh man i do really have such a privilege doing this so yeah 100% i have
2: i have a client that comes out and some fishing me once I first started. And, um, you
0: know,
2: he always says, uh, he'll turn to me when we're pulled over and looking at the mountains, he goes, you know what? It doesn't suck. And I think that that's a good mantra to have, right? It's pretty awesome. What we get to do super fortunate
1: for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thinking about that today, <clears throat> my client, I'm rowing, we're, we're kind of fishing around this log jam. I'm just, they got their lines out. I'm just kind of rowing them around and, we do what's called downhanging, <clears throat> where they basically just let all their line out and you're rolling with the boat. I'm just rowing the boat around this log jam, and they're dangling their flies into the logs. And I'm yeah. rowing around. I just pause for a second, and she she turns around and says, "Do you ever get bored of doing this?" And I was like, "Do I ever get bored?" <clears throat> like, and I told her my answer was, "The moment you get bored is the moment that." it gets dangerous but also thinking now it's like the moment you get bored is the moment that you should stop guiding yeah you know, like-
2: that's probably true I-, I agree with that yeah one of my good friends we we're out fishing it was kind of our <coughs> first time in the-, in the boat kind of that fishing experience and yeah she turned around she's like does this get old she's like i don't think this would get old and i'm like "Yeah, not for me it's pretty awesome yeah i have no complaints
1: Next question is uh, some advice that you might give to new people coming in into fly fishing in general. I know you kind of uh, touched on that a little bit, but if somebody, maybe they're not even thinking of becoming a guy, they just want to get into the industry. What's some advice that you could give them?
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, you just gotta, you gotta get out there. Um, It's so, I think especially with social media now, it's so easy to get too wrapped up in um, good day, bad day. Oh, I didn't catch a fish. And you know, we've all seen that old, the old saying, uh, a bad day on the water is better than a good day at work. Um, But I I really do think getting out there and enjoying the experience a little more um, is is your best way to not only become a better better angler but just always have a good time. sometimes I think that, you know, the fly fishing industry is kind of in a, has a unique, um, demographic. And I think that's changing a little bit uh, and for the better. Um, sometimes I think now new people getting into industry are a little nervous to go into a shop, um, or feel like they're going to be judged. And, And unfortunately sometimes that can be the case depending where you're at. Um, so that's, you know, circling back even to on water kind of one of our goals is to you know make sure people feel comfortable asking questions um trying to become a better angler trying to learn more about a river and how they can be better stewards of it uh i think you know we're trying to give people those resources so they feel comfortable doing that is not a bad thing at all um so advice i'd give to the new angler is you know it's it's okay to ask those questions um you know when i uh first started, you know, guiding this. I remember one of my, you know, first days on the water, I was fishing like a, a egg in the middle of the salmon or like middle of uh you know a caddis hatch.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: at the time I just thought that was normal, but looking back on it, it's like, what was I doing? Um and it, 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 it's all just a learning process. And that's okay.
0: We love to end our podcast. I mean, you covered a lot of great stuff. You talked about the benefits of your app. You talked about fishing on the Madison. We talked about just being young guides um, and you know, the challenges and stuff that we're learning here. Um, But we love to end our podcast with uh, your favorite guide story um, Mm -hmm. or fishing moment. I mean, it can be a good, it can be bad. It can be learning, fun, funny, whatever you got, give it to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually before I give the, the, the great story, I got one more,
2: uh, tip for like a new new guide. Um, and this is, I think even more important than the one I said earlier, uh, don't try and recreate someone else's game. Um, and I think this kind of shows up, say if you're guiding in a group and one of the guys more experienced and doing better, it's so easy to try and, oh, I'm going to guide my clients and we're going to fish like he is so I can do as well as he is. And it never works like that um it's not that you can't learn from someone else's game and use access, aspects of it but um if you worry less about trying to recreate someone else's and kind of perfecting your own craft um i think nine times out of ten you're, you're gonna do a lot better and yeah. you'll be more at peace uh that mental battle of trying to recreate someone's game is is very taxing
0: yeah that's true that's such a great thing and that's what you told me too when i first started guiding and uh there's a lot of things that i've learned from trying different things other than what everyone else is doing right everyone else is fishing Mm -hmm. that that same side or that same hole but if you fish the other side of the hole or do something differently you never know what's gonna become of it right it can be your little Mm -hmm. secret in some way so yeah yeah so moving so ending with Best
2: story. So many. You know, we got to go to the wallet story. So um, I think this was January or February 2020, might have been 2019, I can't remember. Um, I was out fishing with some buddies. Um, and it wasn't this wasn't exactly a guide story, but I was out with some of my guide buddies and we're fishing. And I was, you know, we were in this kind of sort of famous hole up above eight mile. Um, and I hooked what I thought was a snag and I lifted it up. Um, and no, I, I didn't step on this. I hooked it and I lifted up. It was on my hook and it was a wallet. I thought it was a stick at first, pulled up in this wallet. It was all gross and nasty. And I was kind of thinking to myself, there's no way anything's in here. I kind of tossed it back to my buddies and I kept fishing because the fishing was pretty good. And from behind me, I start hearing them count 100, 200, (laughs) Well, this wallet sold everything in it. There's $850 of cash sitting in this wallet. Dang. Um, and I have a photo and I have three or two buddies who were there that back all this up. I, I hooked it and caught it. It was the craziest thing ever in the middle of the Madison. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, we finish out our day, we go to the bar and my buddy's right. He's like, Oh, drinks are on you all night. He's trying to get me to post us money. And um, which don't get me wrong. It's definitely tempting, but it did though. The, the wallet did have an ID on it. So I figured uh, the least send this ID back, see if I get a response and um you know maybe i'll get this money probably not uh whatever well a couple of weeks later through word of mouth the manager of the lodge i work at calls me out of the blue and she's like hey um do you by chance catch a wallet with you know her nephew's name on it turns out it was her nephew's wallet and he had lost it earlier that fall they were doing a little half day float before i flew back home and um, he, so that's why he had all his tip money in it because he was just about to fly home. And so was ended up able to return the wallet to him um, with everything in it. And uh, he still to this day buys me beer every time he sees me at the gravel bar, which is greatly appreciated. So that's, probably, that's probably one of the craziest
0: stories. Wow, that is super cool. What are the odds, you know, like?
2: Very slim, I said yeah. none. I should have bought a lottery ticket
0: should With $800, <laughs> $50 of water. <laughs> well, oh, no, that's, that's crazy. Look how c- close and connected you were to the person too that lost it. Right. Like,
2: I know. Yeah. It's a, sometimes it's a really small world out there, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So all the money fell out in the Madison uh, when I was pulling it yeah, out. So money, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh,
2: <laughs> that was definitely tempting, but I couldn't karma. Right. Yeah, it, it all paid back,
0: I guess. That's good, man. That's a cool story, though. Pretty crazy. Yeah. All right, Kyle, do you, do you want me to send this out?
1: Um. Yeah, or I can send this out this so time. I can't remember who did it last. <clears throat> yeah, you can do it if you want. All right. Well, Josh, we appreciate you hopping on tonight, talking about yourself, talking about uh, on water app. It's been great uh, catching up with you. Um, for sure, want to go back down and do some fishing with you. Um, much as I love Alaska, um, it's definitely not fishing in the lower forty-eight, and there's a little bit of something that I still miss about fishing for fishing bugs, multiple bugs under an indicator. Not <laughs> I that's I- fair. Um, but yeah, no, I'm super stoked to. Uh, chat with you and get me super excited about, uh, trying this app out for myself and talking about it a little more. So, yeah, um, appreciate you guys
2: having me on, uh, and yeah, I'll make sure, um, uh, I'll reach out to you after this. We'll, we'll get that on your phone, get you squared away. Cause although, uh, it's not in Alaska quite, quite yet, I'd still love any feedback you have for sure.
1: Absolutely. <clears throat> well, we appreciate everybody listening to this podcast. Uh, we're seeing your guys' views. Um, you guys are tuning in from all over. Um, if you can, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, tell us what you're liking. Um, that also helps to get our name out there. We've been seeing a couple more popping up in the last week, so we really appreciate that. Spotify also has an option to rate the podcast. Um, so head on over there if you guys listen on Spotify. We've got some more episodes coming out too. I know Keaton and I talked about it on the last one, but we are getting into our guide season. So things are going to get a little bit more busy. Um, we have quite a few podcasts lined up, ready to go. Um, some of them, like as Keaton said earlier, might have content that's a little bit dated just because we record them earlier in the year, preparing for the guide season, because we want to keep you guys um, content coming as much as we can. So, Stay tuned, subscribe, check everything out. Um, also, as I mentioned on the previous episode, we're, we're revamping up our YouTube channel, and Keaton is doing some great stuff on the website. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, if you guys don't already follow us there, we're going to have a lot of content coming at you. In terms of our partners and affiliates, use the code The Young Guides 15 at checkout at Heather's Choice, and you can get yourself 15% off your purchase. You got pack rooms, you got meals. I'm up at fish camp. I'm guiding the the next few days. So I've got a bunch of Heather's Choice meals that I'm going to be eating for dinner, for breakfast. Super easy. Warm up some water, pour some boiling water in those bags. 20 minutes later, you got yourself a super healthy, super filling meal. So go check them out. Over at Lucky Bug Lures, you can get 15% off with the code, the young guides 15. They've got a lot of awesome lures out there that are changing the game. And I'm super stoked. I'm going to order some here up real soon. And I'm going to go try for some pike here in South Central Alaska. It's a catch and kill game up here. So I'm super stoked to fill the freezer up with pikes. I love to pickle pike in the wintertime. Also make sure to check out Alaska Rodco rods. Their rods have been great this season. I'm super stoked to fish them even more. Matt's been working on those two-handers. I've been seeing a lot of content out. He was just at the um, Russian River Ferry there and was part of the Mossy's spay Clave. so super stoked to have him as a partner on the podcast make sure to go check him out and when it comes to hats make sure to check out northern knits emily's going to be cranking out hats this summer so that she will have quite a few in stock for the fall and winter they make a great gift keep your head nice and warm make sure to check her out with that keaton do you have anything else to add
0: yeah i just wanted to kind of turn back to Alaska rod co um he just created a rod that is a baseline rod 100% in a made in america um and it is at such a reasonable price compared to like a lot of the lower end rods so uh, make sure to check that out he's got a good stock now i just saw he posted today that he's got it back in weight uh back in stock um the Telios. uh five weight 10 foot so um he's doing a lot of great stuff he's kind of going against the grain and and inventing some of his own stuff and matt's like if you have any questions feel free to reach out and reach out to matt uh via instagram facebook or um i think you can email or give him a phone call Um, but he's doing some great work over there um and like kyle said we just appreciate all of you guys taking the time to listen to our podcast um, and make sure that if, you know, if you have something, your guide, you're in the outdoor industry, you think you got something interesting that you want to talk about, feel free to reach out to us and we can try to plan something with you. So, um, we're excited, uh, we're working hard to bring you stuff, even though we're, we're getting busy. Um, and then we're excited to see what this year, you know, the rest of the year brings us. Um, it's pretty crazy to think that we're halfway through a year already. And, you know, we started this in November, uh, for fun and we're really kind of you know snapping down on it and trying to bring the best stuff that we can for you so uh, make sure to check out our website like kyle said we got a lot of stuff going to be coming up um, and you can support you know these local businesses these local guides um, and you know find a way to get easy access to things like on water that josh just talked about so um yeah we just really thank you and appreciate you guys for taking the time and and sharing and loving our podcast so
1: real quick he plug your uh, cleanup
0: oh yeah make sure to uh, you can check it out uh if you go on to eventbrite type in cedar river cleanup um that's coming up in august 6th i just want to make sure that uh you guys you know I'm looking to get people there. We're going to have a cleanup. This is my first year. We're going to have a market afterwards, come test, cast rods. Uh, I got a food truck lined up. Um, I got some other little vendors here and there. So I'm really excited to do this This is my first market. So, uh, you know, it's great for these local businesses. It's, we'll be there with the podcast and, uh, you know, uh tu you there's some local fly shops local rod builders so come out and I think uh, we're working on it but we're going to have a casting competition that you might be able to win an Orvis gift card so really pumped Ooh. really really pumped on uh, to see how this turns out so show some love sign up um, we want to know like w- what we're expecting so like I said check that uh, eventbrite uh, link and type in or go to eventbrite.com and type in cedar river cleanup and uh we'll try to share it on our podcast and instagram too so uh we'd love to see some of you there and you can come and talk to me i don't think kyle's gonna make it because he's in alaska but um you get one of us there so yeah come come check us out for sure
1: with that i think uh we've taken up enough of y'all's time And that is the end of the episode. We'll catch you on the next one.